Okay, here's how Miro works. See, it's amazing. What's everyone doing at David's desk? Ever since marketing started using Miro's collaborative online whiteboard, he thinks all our other teams should sign up. Why? He says Miro's making his meetings disappear. And if every team gets on it, that means even less meetings. They're using Miro for brainstorms, mind maps, customer research. So could we use Miro instead of having another hundred meetings for every round of feedback? Yep. You can comment, react to ideas, even leave a recording on the board. And what about presentations? There are Miro templates for that. How do you know so much about Miro? I've actually been using it all along. I just used a Miro board to plan the best vacation. Okay, I'm on board. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com with three boards free forever. That's M I R O.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things world-wondering stardom right here on the Podmania Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Rob Godwin, and I'm joined as ever by Matt Turner. Matt, how are you, my friend? Well, you know, Rob, it's been a little difficult week. I know I talked to you a little bit earlier, uh, just a couple days ago, uh, my uncle uh, had passed. Uh, I'm very close with pretty much all my family members. And uh, he just passed two days ago, so it's a little, a uh, little bit of a difficult time. And I kind of want, want to take this time just for a couple minutes, just to kind of, you know, kind of say um, how much I appreciate, like as I, as I get older, how much I appreciate people's time. Um, you know, I, I always say time and health are our two most important assets, uh, even more so than than money. I really, I truly, truly believe that. And I remember, I'm going to kind of dive into my nerdism here. I remember it was about six or seven years ago, I was reading a Flash run. I want to say it was Mark Waid's, and I think it could have even been the return of Barry Allen when he returned from uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, uh, regardless. But he said something when he came back was that every second we get is a get, uh, that we have is a gift. And I remember reading that. Again, this is like six or seven years ago, and it kind of stuck with me. That's kind of 
you know, kind of how I live my life. Like every second that we have on this earth is a, is a gift. And I know sometimes we complain about the small things. I know before we record, me and you talk about the awful traffic you have over by you <laughs> and how ter- and how terrible it is in Pennsylvania. And we, you know, we us Pennsylvanians, we kind of joke that our state flower is the orange cone that we see because it's all over. <laughs> but really, and I kind of just wanted to tell our listeners how much I appreciate their time. You know, their time, whatever, uh, and almost daily, we get something really, really nice written about us, uh, how much I appreciate their time, tw- you know, tweeting and retweeting our feed for the podcast, how much I appreciate our Patreons for their time for working to, you know, give us money so we can, you know, kind of keep the lights on and give you all the extras. But really what I appreciate the most of, of our listeners is the fact that you take an hour, hour and a half, two hours, um, give or take how long these episodes be. Uh, each week to listen to our podcast. And I know probably in the last 10 days, we probably put out, what, about five hours worth of content, Rob, between the Momo retrospective and then the <laughs> and then the two World Climax pay-per-views and then the Cinderella bracket. So probably the last two weeks, we probably had about five or six hours worth of material. And I know we had a lot of listeners. So I kind of just want to say, you know, thank you for giving us your time uh, for that. And, uh, and also, Rob, I have to, you know, thank you a zillion times over and over for how much uh, how much of your time and how much love you put into this podcast. Because I know I put a lot of my time, effort, energy, and love into this podcast. And then we start recording, and then I just hear how much more you put into it than I do. Like, you come out with, like, some crazy stats. Like, Mayo Iwatani is undefeated in Cork and Hall when they sell over 100 hot dogs at the concession <laughs> stand. You're like, like these wild stats, and it's just like... It's just like, man, it's like I put so much time and so much love into this. And it's like, all right, I got my notes. I'm ready to go. And Rob just like he he puts even more into it. So I kind of just, you know, it just seems like the last six or seven years, I'm like once a year, I lose a member of my family. And that's why I said as I'm getting older, I just appreciate time more. And I kind of just want to say thank you to the listeners for constantly every week giving your time. And thank you, my brother, for, uh, for you know, putting out this fantastic work. Because believe me, I don't... My job's easy. I watch startup. I take notes. Rob tells me this is when we record. I go on. I shoot my gibberish, and then he pretty much does all, all, all the work. So I just want to thank everybody for for their time. And uh, you know, hey, let's uh, let's talk about some stardom, brother. Oh well, thank you very much, man. I appreciate that. And obviously, you know, our thoughts and prayers are with you, your family, in this difficult time. And I'm really sorry to hear about your loss. Um, but it, you know, at least you have this outlet to talk about something you love. And obviously, you know, it's my pleasure to have you on the podcast. Uh, but because honestly you're so positive so relentlessly positive that it's just impossible to feel negative about anything that happens so uh, i really appreciate that thank you um yeah but matt it is episode 60 much like corican hall we're celebrating 60 today but 60 episodes rather than the 60 years <laughs> um a couple of things we're going to talk about before we delve in to the first round of the Cinderella tournament. It's in the books. Most people's brackets have been burst (laughs) wide open and don't worry, we'll be referring back to our Bracketology episode a lot. Um, But I just want to throw a couple of things your way. The first thing I want to say, of course, is that our Patreon episode, our first Patreon episode of Insane April will be dropping on the 13th of April at 6pm at British Standard Time and that is going to be a match review of Thunder Rock, Io Shirai, Mai Wiwatani versus Kairi Hojo and Mako Satomura from Stardom the Highest 2016 that's going to be dropping like I say on the 13th which is of course my birthday and then on the 27th of April we'll be dropping our Kairi 
Hojo White Belt Retrospective. We got loads and loads of really cool feedback in regard to our last retrospective, which was Momo Watanabe's White Belt Run. So hopefully you enjoy that one just as much. Um, in terms of the May episodes, I was a little bit late getting the poll up, so I apologize, but it is up there now, and these are your options. Uh, we have got up there the Cinderella Tournament 2015 show review when it was actually called the uh, Champions Fiesta or something like that, and it was a one by Mayu Iwatani, so we're going to be doing a review of that. Um, a match review of Kagetsu versus Hazuki for the Red Belt from the 8th anniversary show in Osaka. Um, the Stardom 9th anniversary show, uh, we're going to be reviewing that. Another great show, uh, main evented by Mayu Iwatani and Momo Watanabe. Um, the Stardom X Stardom 2019 show review, which again is an absolutely outstanding show. I believe, and I could be wrong, I believe it's main evented by B Priestley and Utami. And then I think it's got Jungle Kiona and Orisa on the undercard. And that is an absolutely outstanding match. One of my favorite Stardom matches. And then a fan requested match, which was Mary Apache and Hana Kimura versus Kaori Yoniyama and Ruaka from and the Goddess of Stardom Tag League 2018. Um, so all of those options are available to you. The poll is going to close on April the 20th, just so we've got enough time to watch things and take all of our notes. Um, also, another thing, um, obviously we have a merch store, and obviously I don't plug it a lot because I feel like we already take a little bit too much of your money and your time, but we have got brand new merchandise on our merch store. Just click the link in the podcast description. We've got logo shirts, we've got comedy shirts, we've got brand new stickers coming as well, hand-drawn by yours truly. Um, so if you fancy going and rocking some Stardomcast merch, then please go and head to our merch store. But I think that's enough plugs out of the way. Let's delve straight into some news. And most of it relates to the um, Cinderella tournament that we're going to be talking about in quite a lot of detail. But I just want to go through a couple of things first. The first thing is that the Cosmic Angels team of Yunagi Sayaka and Mina Shirakawa are going to be... Um, going to Corican Hall as part of the Diana show to be fighting the Luminous team for the WWWD World Tag Team Championships. Luminous are the team of Miyuki Takase and Haruki Umasaki. Haruki Umasaki, of course, who made such an impression um, at the New Blood show. And actually linking into that, speaking of New Blood, New Blood 2, the second entry in Stardom's newest shows, will be held on May the 13th, which is incredibly exciting, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, New Blood 2, Electric Boogaloo, uh, as I think we, <laughs> we will always uncrown it here. Yeah, I think uh, all that's interesting. I don't think they've announced any matches for New Blood 2, but I know um, some people over on the social media are excited. And I also uh, I think that's pretty cool that they're taking Mina and Yunagi uh, basically kind of over to uh, another promotion. So I, obviously they're two of stardom people that they're pushing, and I believe that, that that matches for the tag belts, is it not? It is indeed the WWWD tag team belts. I think now usually when you have the uh, you have a um, you know kind of outsiders coming in for tag belts, they kind of just use the put over the over the other promotion. But I'm going to say here that I think Mina and Unagi are going to win the belts, and I think that maybe they'll come over here 
to defend him on stardom and this way it'll get more eyes uh on the tag belts and then you know maybe they'll have like a month or two month run and then they'll drop them back over um but i think that would be smart booking if they were if they had mean and unagi go over for the tag belts you know, just basically under like, hey, here's a deal. We're on the Stardom team win, the Cosmic Angels team win. They get two or three defenses of their belts. You know, say maybe they'll, they'll team, they'll go up against, you know, Stars team or they'll go up against the Donald Dumbundo team. They'll have two or three successful title defenses and they'll come back here for like a rematch and then they'll drop them there. I think that would be the smart way to to go about it. And I think that's what they're going to do. But uh, alas, as uh, we, we will talk about on the Cinderella tournament bracket, there's a lot of times that my predictions are not right, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, I would be incredibly surprised if Unagi and Mina end up winning these belts. And the only reason I say that is because Unagi has been talking a lot of smack on social media about other promotions, whether that's Marvelous or Diana. It it feels like this is going to be her comeuppance because at the moment her... Her entire shtick at the moment seems to be her running her mouth and then getting her come up and, you know, you look at the Kyrie match as an example. Um, I imagine this will be the chance for Luminous to basically take out a little bit of their frustration out on you, Nagy, and set up maybe something for New Blood 2. Um, of course, like I said, in New Blood 1, I was incredibly impressed with Umasaki, so I'm looking forward to seeing more of that, because we will watch that and we'll bring you a review for that as well. But, again, never say never. Um, in regard to the Cinderella tournament, I've got to thank Velkage on our Discord, who again managed to provide um, a link to the English translation of the press conference, uh, which had a couple of really, really good back sort of backstory and back history uh, little comments in there, especially when it came to things like the Mina Shirakawa and the Mirai match. But just before the tournament, um, Suri was there with her new bodyguard, which is pronounced Ami Sori, which apparently the Sori means magnificent. Um, and during the press conference, Ami said that basically, Suri, you have a round, a first round bye. Um, you have no opponent. Would you be willing to fight me in the first round instead? They agreed because apparently sixteen matches on uh, fifteen matches on that card wasn't enough, so uh, they put another match on there as well. Um, so that was made official that Suri's first round by would be null, and she would be fighting Amisuri. Um, Rossi then came out said that um, Amis addition brings the total to thirty one competitors in the Cinderella. Um, which is, again, the largest field they've ever had. Um, but he says that the Cinderella tournament was originally envisioned with the goal of highlighting newer wrestlers who are still on their way up, and he hopes that they'll see a new heroine rise. Now, with him saying that, Matt, do you think, is there someone that you think of, obviously having seen the uh, first round now, seen who's gone through, seen who's gone out, is there anyone that you think, right, well, I know who's winning it now. No, no, I don't. And I've, I had, I've had this discussion, and we'll, we'll kind of go through with some of the some of the beats, uh, some of these matches. Well, I know you weren't spoiled. I think you you kind of just finished everything up yesterday. But uh, since it was first round of the Cinderella tournament, and just for me answering like fan questions and uh, you know trying to get some bookings and whatnot, I pretty much have to be on all my social media. So I was pretty much spoiled to this first round, and I was like, oh boy. So I re kind of redid my brackets on uh, two days ago, Wednesday, when we uh, when it, it finally went up live, and I was kind of looking at things of where certain things can go. Uh, so I'm not really sure, 
this might be a hashtag Rob Goodwin is right because it might be uh, it might be uh, Himika winning it, but I still was just like, man, I don't know now because this bracket thing got busted open pretty wide. And uh, I thought it was pretty funny that, yeah, there was 15 matches and Ross, I think I could just see Rossi just kind of just sitting there, you know, in a steam room, drinking some sake, looking at the card saying, God damn it, 15 matches isn't enough. How can I squeeze another match on here? <laughs> oh, that, all right. I'll have, I'll have my champion wrestle in the main event. Yeah, because it's, it's not enough. But the, this, I mean, it went by fast. I think I was even telling you, I was like halfway through. And I'm like, man, don't blink because, uh, you know, there's everything. No, no, there's no waste of time in this one. There's no Memphis 80 stalling in this one. No, absolutely not. The, the apart from obviously the one time limit draw, which take a bow, Matt. What a call that was! Um, with the longest match was nine minutes and forty eight seconds. So yes, there were sixteen matches on there, but you know, the vast majority were five minutes. So it really does go by very, very quickly. You don't feel like you were over sort of stimulated with a ridiculous amount of matches. Just before we delve into that, I just want to quickly say that the story in Amy um, Amy Sori's name. Um, the story is meant to convey um, something being exceptionally grand or very large in scale. So I think the literal translation is magnificent. But obviously, with her coming across as you know, with the moniker, the strongest bodyguard, I think that's sort of to convey that anyway. So just for a little bit of future uh, future knowledge. Um, just before we kick in to the Cinderella tournament, we're still going to be rating the matches, or at least I am, but obviously with the Cinderella tournament having shorter time limits, the first round has 10 minutes, and then the second round, quarterfinals, semifinals, all of them have 15, so it's they're more like your ordinary matches, but especially with this first round, there'll be some ratings where I might throw out a four stars, and you think, mm, you know, it's five minutes, how have you given that four stars? It's just the way it it goes. Don't compare it to your other matches, okay? The Cinderella tournament is a thing on its own, basically, and that's the way I've always sort of looked at it in terms of ratings. Leave, leave, leave Rob alone. It's his rating. He can rate <laughs> however he wants. Um, so, the Cinderella tournament 2022, the opening round from the 3rd of April 2022 in the Takikawa Stage Garden, Tokyo. The first promotion, I believe, to run the venue since it opened on April 12th. 2020. I could be wrong on that, but Cage Match tells me that Stardom is the first venue um, in front of around 928 fans. So we opened with perhaps, Matt, the most extra opening ceremony I've ever seen. It was so pomp and circumstance, but I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I wasn't going to watch it, but everybody was like, you know, when they said it went up on uh, on World on Wednesday, they're like, you got to see the opening ceremony. You got to. So I was like, all right. So about two hours later, I went home and literally it's as if you go through the match listing when you click on World. This is literally like match one, the opening ceremony. And I'm like, OK, I guess I have to watch it. And it reminded me of kind of almost like a Broadway play where it's like, OK, Maya, you're going to stand here. And then Julia's going to come here, and then we're going to have our champions come down this way. Like, everybody had to be, like, in the proper spot at the proper time. Like, it was very well done. And, again, look at this at a re as a wrestler's aspect. Like, considering the fact that all these matches were, you know, anywhere were anywhere between one minute to ten minutes, I would have been like, okay, I have my match down. I have my spots. I understand the psychology. Where am I supposed to stand this opening ceremony? <laughs> I would have I been more worried about that because I was like, boy, I tell you what. But, yeah, it was uh, – I don't know. I, I would give this opening ceremony a five-star rating if we're going to go rating. <laughs> I thought it was tremendous. I thought it was great. It was the fact that the curtain dropped. You've got this 
really tense and suspense-filled music going on in the background. You've got the laser show going on, and then the curtain drops, and all of the stardom wrestlers are in their trademark poses. It it was just so... The only way I can describe it is extra. It was so extra, but it it really did build it really, really well. Um it did make me laugh that the only person who didn't turn up to this was Mia Shirakawa, but that would uh, that becomes very obvious as to why she didn't turn up when we get to her match later on. Um, so let's have a look at some of these matches. So match one, a first round match with Yunagi Sayaka taking place, taking part in a second tournament. Her best finish being semi finalist last year, defeating Hina who was making her tournament debut with the phenomenally named Break Down the Castle Gates in six minutes and 27 seconds. Um, first time in a, while we, um, in a while we've seen Hina, Matt. How do you think she fared here against Yunagi? I've never seen Hina wrestle before, so this was very interesting to me against somebody that they're that they're pushing, and Yunagi is uh, somebody that gets better with each and every match. I thought this was really good. You know, solid opener, a little over six minutes. Uh, Hina had some really nice reversals, like Yunagi was coming out. You know, Yunagi clearly is the star of this match and somebody that they're pushing and somebody that a lot of people have gone really far in this tournament. Uh, so Yunagi comes out, you know, uh, real hard hitting, you know, tries to hit a lot of her signature spots. And Hina's offense was basically like reversing all of Yunagi's spots. And there was a, a really close uh, ghetto clutch um, towards the end that almost, uh, that was really, I mean, it was, like 2.8, and it was really, really, really close, and I thought they worked that really well as it led towards the finish, but eventually, you know, Yunagi's experience gets the better and uh, gets the win, but uh, I thought this was really solid, and I gave this one three and a quarter stars. Yeah, I thought it was a good showing for Hina, to be perfectly honest. I mean, for a start, she came to the ring, and she appears to have grown about three foot since she, uh, since she left. Um, she's got new gear, she's got a new entrance theme, and I can finally tell her and Rina apart, which is a very, very good thing. Um, overall, like I say, really, really good showing for Hina. I thought she had just enough offense before Yunagi finished her off. I gave it three stars. I don't think anyone thought that Hina was going through here, but again, another really, really good showing. We move on then to our second first round match. Saki Kashima, who is taking part in her third tournament with a best finish of a quarter finalist in 2018, defeating Wakasukiyama, who is making her tournament debut with the Kishkasai in one minute and 57 seconds. Poor Waka, Matt. Poor Waka. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody had. But I tell you what, though, this was under two minutes. But it was like, don't blink, because it was like reversal, reversal. Uh, you know, Waka's going for her like inside cradles or quick fins or quick pins. It just seemed like it was one one big, you know, 100 second reversal match after another. And then she just gets caught. It's almost like, a, you know, if you watch like a fighter, a fight that's going like a you know good minute, minute and a half. And then the fighter kind of just gets caught with like a left hook or a head kick or something like that. So I like for what it was, I thought it was pretty solid. And, you know, it made sense for Saki to get the win with the with the revival. So again, for what it was, I will always give every match, not unless there's 4,000 blown spots and psychology doesn't make sense. Every match will always get a uh, solid three stars for me. Like the quote, as I always say, quote the late, great Rowdy Rowdy Piper, anybody that answers a bell, you have my ultimate respect for. So this was fun uh, for what it was because everything made sense and it was just Waka got caught. So this got uh, three stars for me. But again, nothing that, you know, you need to go out of your way to see. But yeah. Poor Waka, they they can't they won't even give her two minutes in the Cinderella <laughs> tournament. God bless her. But again, you have sixteen matches, so it's just like, well, what matches are going to go short? Uh, you know, shorter than normal. And they're like, I'm sure they're like, yeah, that one's going to go really short. 
Yeah, but there was a couple that I sort of had my eye on as ones that would be short. I knew this would be short. I knew the Rena match would be short. I knew the death match would be short. Um, that's Fukig and death, not the actual death I, match. I was, damn it. I was, ready, I was ready to cut you off, and I was like, wait a minute. You see something I didn't see? And you're the Damn it, you're good. Yeah, did you miss the bit where prominence came in? Um <laughs> I, I love this new side of Wacker. Like, she comes to the ring. There's no dancing. There's no posing, doing the C that she normally does. There's determination. It overrides everything else she does. And she's focused on winning every match. And she explodes out of the traps and has pretty much 90 seconds uninterrupted offense. Um, and then Saki rolls her up immediately with her only piece of offense of the entire match, which... You then see Wacker's face just devastated, screaming to the heavens. This storyline with Wacker's great. I love it. They're building it so well. You are so behind Wacker. You know the moment where she gets that first pinfall victory. She, it's just going to erupt in whatever venue it is. It's just going to erupt, and it's going to be fantastic, and she's going to have thoroughly, thoroughly deserved it. Because, like you said here, it's not like she was bested for two minutes and then put away handily like she properly exploded at Saki Kashima and then hit this really cool flatliner with Saki sat on the ropes um but yeah just ultimately was a little too keen in her offense and got got blindsided so I didn't rate it because it went under two minutes I didn't really feel like I could rate that but ultimately I thought this did well storyline wise it kept it short and the pace of the show kept going i really enjoyed it yeah. match three then a second a third sorry first round match micah in her third tournament of course was a finalist in uh the 2021 tournament defeating hannah hannon sorry making her tournament debut with the michinoku driver two in four minutes and 37 seconds um i thought these two had really, really, really good chemistry, Matt. Yeah, I think we talked about it a few times during the uh, multi-person matches we've seen between Stars and Gal Del Mundo that Hannon and Micah seem to have just really, really good chemistry. And, uh, you know, th- and this match really made sense. I know you like limb work, and obviously you like lariat. So if you're, in the, if you're in the ring with somebody that can lariat your head off, especially when you're 80 pounds like poor Hannon is, uh, she goes right after Micah's arm. You know, makes sense. Okay, the psychology is, real, is nice there. Um you can tell both of these two have a judo background by the judo throws and the transitions they were doing. And I'm a big fan of Hannon's uh, knee bar, but she did the knee bar roll. But instead of putting uh, Micah into the knee bar, she uh, bridged back into like a, a close two count. So I thought that was really good. But ultimately, the Mijinoka driver is a little bit too much. Uh, again, another solid outing between these two. And this is a match that I would like to see maybe at the five star, just like a singles match somewhere down the road where maybe they're given eight, nine or ten more minutes. Uh, again, obviously, it's the first round of the Cinderella. You have a 10-minute time limit. We have 84 matches here in the first round. <laughs> so you kind of need to get get your stuff in, make it make sense, get in, get out, make sure nobody gets hurt. Uh, solid. You know, again, for the uh, since we're kind of grading these first-round matches on a curve, to use, a, I guess, a teacher term for you there, Rob, how about that? <laughs> uh, I'm going to give this one three and a half stars. I thought this was uh, really good, entertaining, and the match made sense. Yeah, absolutely. She Micah's very much, or at this point, was very much of the opinion that she wanted the final to be her and Himika. Um, but Hannon is the one that starts on the front foot. Obviously, you said about her targeting Micah's arm, trying to take the lariats out of it. I thought the best, one of the best spots of the tournament, and something that was so seamless, was where 
Micah's on the apron and Hannon is going for a baseball slide kick. And Micah jumps up and it turns it into a double foot stomp into Hannon's chest. And it all just felt so seamless. And that's the story for these two throughout this match. Everything they did was very, very clean. And I know that, the, you know, this went to shade over four and a half minutes. But even so, everything they did was incredibly smooth. There was no botches. There, weren't, there wasn't even a moment where you thought, ah, they're just they're waiting for the next spot. And Hannon is 17. So, you know, loads of upside to Hannon. You mentioned that you want to see this in the five-star. Matt, if we start adding Hannon and Rina and <laughs> Hina to this five-star as well, there's going to be blocks of about 80 people. We can't just keep adding people. <laughs> just keep adding them, brother. You know, Car bring in people from prominence. Hey, at this point, why not? You know what I mean? It's going to um, be a six-month tournament. <laughs> absolutely, it'll be a tight year thing. Um, I gave it three and a quarter stars. Really enjoyed it. And Micah moves on to the second round. So we've got a matchup from last year's final between her and Saya Kamatani, who, of course, had that first round by. Match four, then, another first-round match. Saw Mirai making her tournament debut, defeat Mina Shirakawa, who is in her second tournament and obviously reached the first round last year, via over-the-top rope elimination in 8 minutes and 20 seconds. Now, these two were a tag team in their time in Tokyo Joshi Pro, and Mirai notes that she felt someone like, like Mina's younger sister, at the press conference, and then she brought out a letter that Mina gave her when she left for stardom, and Mirai tears up the letter in front of her because of the anger she felt when Mina left. Mina is very upset at this show of disrespect and gets incredibly weird about her connection and love for Mirai, puts part of the letters in her mouth and starts getting really, really uncomfortably close um, to Mirai. And then we see why Mina wasn't a part of the ceremony because she's chosen to participate in this match under her apparent alter ego of the Bloody Angel, which uh, we've seen, obviously, once before at Tokyo Super Wars. This match got a 5.2 rating on Cage Match, and people are divided on social media about the Bloody Angel gimmick. What's your opinion, Matt? I don't mind it. It's cool. Like, when she transfers into this gimmick... And then she loses the first round of the Cinderella. I understand where she transferred into it to challenge for the white belt, you know, against her, the leader of her stable, Tam. And then you lose there. But she's 0 for 2, correct me if I'm wrong. She's 0 for 2 in this gimmick. So it's kind of like if you look at what, uh, what Prince David, uh, Finn Balor was doing over WWE, he would turn into the demon and he would never lose. And he would only do it every so often where it's just like, all right, you're into this uh, bloody angel gimmick. You know, it looks cool. It's something different. Uh, you know, Mina's a little bit out there, and this makes her character, you know, a little bit, you know, even more out there, which is cool. But, like, you're over for 2. So it's like if she were to come back with this gimmick, like, three months down the road, I don't think I would care because she's over for 2, if that makes sense. Yeah. The problem I had, if, we, if we're looking back to the last time we saw her, which, of course, was against Tam for the Y belt, um, I understand, just to, sorry, just ping ball back to what we were talking about. I do understand why Mina has used the gimmick here because she felt slighted and it's driven her to, you know, it's upset her that much that she's been driven to this gimmick. Seem The same as when Tam refused to give her the respect that she felt she deserved. It drove her to this bloody angel gimmick. So to that end, it makes sense. However, the gimmick does lose some potency if every time she transitions into it, she loses. Um. 
I feel like she embraced the gimmick a lot more in this match. Um, she wrestled a lot more in that style instead of just coming out in different gimmick, doing a bit of weird stuff in the entrance ramp, and then and then just wrestling a normal match like she did against Tam. Here she was proper full on weird. I mean, she bought on, she bought out the letter that Mariah had torn up during the press conference, and she'd sellotaped it into the shape of a heart, which is, I'm sure how most serial killer movies start um put it on the ring post um so you know there was loads of cool stuff with that um it's just you know it's a shame that she had to lose um mina where the neck hold on i gotta gotta cut you i'm sorry because you just reminded me of something when she put when she put the heart on the ring post that was like cut off from a newspaper they they kept zooming in on it and I don't know if you noticed, but there was a baking ad. It was obviously something from either new. It said something like bake shop or something. And I was like, is that what's it? And it seemed like it was on there for like a minute, which is probably only like 15 or 20 seconds. But usually you would just put it, you know, and then and then the camera would fade to something else. But I was like, I, I didn't write a note down. I'm like, if I remember, I, I, I just want to get Rob's take on the fact that, uh, yeah, there was a bake shop ad on, on the heart. I just thought that, I thought that was funny. It does completely ruin the aesthetic she's going for, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's just got ingredients on there. Just a shopping yeah. list. Three egg whites, you know. Um, but I thought she, I thought she wrestled. In a, in a lot more crazy way during this. Like, the way she was attacking Mirai's neck, she was doing it in a very haphazard way. Um, it didn't just feel like, like I said before, Mina coming down in a different, you know, in a different attire. Um, ultimately, Mirai wins, which I think everyone knew Mirai was going to win this. I can take or leave whether I see the Bloody Angel again. Um, I'll be perfectly honest, it didn't really connect with me. It was fine, and like I say, Mina embraced it more but she has to find that that sort of happy medium between embracing it too much and not embracing it all at all because there was points where i thought the character took away from the match a little bit if that makes sense but credit where credit's due to add a little bit of storyline to one of these you know not sound disrespectful but what can be seen as throwaway first round matches to add this little backstory to it, I thought was really, really good. Overall, I gave it three stars. What about you? Yeah, I was the same three stars. I thought it was, you know, it was good. It was what it was. Uh, you know, obviously we talked a lot about the uh, alter ego gimmick, but uh, Mina does a really good job. And I've noticed this over the last few months of feeding for strikes, especially the people that are really hard strikers, like the Sherry's, the momos uh she was all she was everywhere she needed to be fed proper for all of mina's uh, really big strikes so i thought that was really good and mina brought it back as well um i didn't know the backstory that they were tokyo joe tokyo joshi pro together obviously as as uh, i say at the beginning of this podcast you do your homework times 10 so i'm like oh that makes sense because usually when you see two people hitting each other as hard like this you got there's some sort of backstory uh involved of why they're really laying into each other um you know, and then we get uh, Mina gets the uh, I'm sorry, Mariah gets the win of the over the top rope. First one we see of the tournament. So, yeah, again, uh, I under I appreciate Mina going trying to do something different to get this match to stand out. I really, really do. Because, again, you know, outside of like the Momo Zumi and the Natsupoi Starlight Kid, none of these first round matches really had a backstory. And, you know, God bless her. She uh, she did what she needed to do to try to get a backstory. So I appreciate that. I always appreciate effort. Effort goes a long way with me, sir. Absolutely, and I thought Mirai did look good here. That that wheelbarrow uranagi that she does looks absolutely incredible. 
Um, and I did appreciate that Mariah took the heart off the turnbuckle at the end, and that seemed to please Mina. Um, so overall, yeah, it was it was fine and did what it needed to do. Yes. Match five, then another first round match with Mayu Iwatani. This is her seventh tournament. She's only ever missed the 2019 tournament through injury. And she's also the only person to win the tournament twice. And she did it back to back in 2015 and 2016. She will go on to defeat Momo Kogo, making her tournament debut with the Dragon Suplex in five minutes and 48 seconds. Now, we had an over-the-top rope elimination in the previous match between Mariah and Mina. However, this match so far, in my opinion, is the only one that played on the over-the-top rope drama to any real degree. Do you agree with that? Yes, and if you remember, I had this as an upset, and that's the reason why. So obviously, uh, I did know the result of this match a few days prior, but they did a really good job teasing it. and just really shows you how good Mayu is at like, oh, I might get upset here, I might get upset here, uh, and them kind of going back and forth. But th- I did want to ask you, Rob, did you see, um, it's on Stardom's YouTube as like one of their extras, when uh, Momo Kogo is stretching before a match, I don't know what match it was, but all stars come right before her and they give her a birthday cake for her birthday. Did you see that? I did. I saw bits of it on Instagram. I didn't watch the whole video, though. Well, it's nothing, but I just want to say, I think that is so wholesome and so kind, and I just think stars are like like the coolest, nicest people. But uh, And then they go out here and they have this match, and I thought for um, for what it was, I thought this was really, really good. You know, Momo Kogo starts out with a real quick near fall right in the beginning trying to catch Mayu off guard, and they and Mayu really gave Momo quite a bit in this match, and I don't think she needed to, but there was a really, like, like you said, they did a really good job teasing the uh, over-the-top rope thing, which I thought was going to happen. That's why I, I had it, you know, in there for the upset. There's always you know, one or two bracket busters in the first or second round. Uh, obviously, this wasn't one of them, but just about every other match after this was. <laughs> but I, I thought this was solid. I, I, you know, again, we're grading this on a curve because it is the, uh, the, you know, the first round. I had this at three and three-fourth stars. Again, I thought it was really good. Eventually, uh, the super kick dragon suplex uh, combination from Mayu was just a little bit too much for Momo Kogo. But I, I thought this, this was really good, and I thought Mayu did a good job of going out of her way to uh, make Momo look good. Mayu's so damaged, isn't she? She she couldn't even accept a handshake from Momo Kogo at the start because she's been turned on that many times. <laughs> she's bless her heart, she's so damaged. Um, there was some great nearfalls in this match as well, like that victory roll reversal from the Dragon Suplex from Momo Kogo, really, really close to count. And there was some really, really good kickouts at two on this uh, on this card. Um, but I thought as well. During that, like we'd said before about how we saw that Momo Kogo's style was very much influenced by the likes of Mayu and Hazuki. And I thought here you could see so much of Mayu in the way Momo Kogo wrestles. And I know obviously the Goddess of Tag, to- uh, Goddess of Star and Tag Tournament is months and months and months away. But it would not surprise me if we end up with Wingori together again, Hanan and um, Sayurida, um, FWC, and then the new MK sisters in Mayu and Momo Kogo. And I think that is where we'll see Momo Kogo really, really, really take off. Um, Similarly to how I think we'll see someone else take off who we'll be talking about later on the tournament. Ultimately, uh, Mayu finishes Momo off with the Dragon Suplex Um, to advance. I gave it three and a quarter stars. Really enjoyed this one. Another really good, fast-paced match. Um, just after this, Mayu does join commentary for the rest of the show and is an absolute delight on commentary. She's laughing the entire time, is 
involved in every spot, gets proper into every match. Um, that was her. I di- I didn't know that was her again, Rob. You always you always bring the little extra, like the extra you know cherry on top of the seasoning. I was like, somebody's having a whole ton of fun on commentary. I didn't know that was Mayu. That's you, great. That makes you so, see that makes it so very, very briefly, like literally very briefly. And then there's one point where they pan back and you can see Mayu's ponytail. Um, but the, I think it was the Suri match and she kicks um, Amisori and Mayu goes, ooh. <laughs> it just <laughs> probably made me laugh. Because, you know, Mayu was there a week ago. That's why. She yeah. was there a week ago for half an hour. She's like, oh, she's having, like, war flashbacks, PTSD. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> um, let's move on, then, to the first round match with Nat Sapoy in her second tournament, getting eliminated in the first round last year, defeating Starlight Kid, taking part in her fourth tournament. She was a semifinalist in 2019 via over-the-top rope elimination in five minutes and 54 seconds. And here it is, ladies and gentlemen, the bracket buster everyone expected, but certainly not in the place everyone thought it was coming. Um, Starlight Kid was a lot of people's favorite to win this entire tournament, Matt, including yours. Yes, and as usual, I was wrong, and that's okay. I don't mind being wrong from time to time. I've been wrong before. I will be wrong again, and that's A-OK. Uh, obviously, I'm a big fan of Not Sapoy. I thought this match was really solid. Uh, kind of going off what the previous match did, there was a lot of near falls on the apron, and eventually that's what happened. There was one that basically built towards the finish. Uh, you know, they do their uh, high-speed offense. Obviously, these two are very, very similar with each other. We've seen uh, some similar spots that they've done, they've done and some similar spots that they've done that they've, they've countered because it's happened to Starlight Kid before. It's happened to Not Sapoy before. So I thought that was a really cool uh, way to, to start everything off. There's a spot where Natsupoy is on the top rope and um, Starlight Kid is on the apron. Starlight Kid grabs Natsupoy's hair and tries to almost like arm drag her with the hair. And Natsupoy does like a handstand on the top rope and then she lands on the apron. I'm like, that is, for someone who has two left feet and has no athleticism whatsoever, I thought that was like the, the most athletic thing I've ever seen. And Natsupoy is just like... She's so athletic with just, like, the, everything she does. And, like, her body control is absolutely insane. So I thought that was cool. Um, I didn't, and I, I want to get your opinion on it. I did not, I didn't like the finish. I don't like finishes, and we'll talk about in the Julia Tekla match. Uh, and I believe, like, a similar finish like this happened uh, with uh, Fukin Death and Sayakamatani at the Five Star last year, where you hit your finisher, and before you even get a one count, the other person puts their legs up, and they, they do some sort of transition into a roll, or here, like, she got hit. That's a point gets hit with the Black Tiger driver on the apron. It's Starlight Kid's, like, kill finish. Like, I understand you had Kari, Kari kick out of it at World Climax. I understand that. You know, it's a big match. She's a big star. But you, you got to hit on the apron, and then that's a point just puts her legs up and throws Starlight Kid out of the ring. Like, I thought the whole match was really good. I thought that was a cool spot. But I don't like that. I, I mean, the fact that it's just like, well, this should get at least a 2.9 count if not a three on everybody, and the fact that, like, I hit it, and then a half a second later, this, you know, not point gets her legs up and then throws her off. I just, I didn't care for the finish. I just, and I'm, I'm interested to hear your take on it. Ordinarily, I completely agree with you. When it's in the ring, then I sort I saw get that. Because you're not going to have the wherewithal to... So if you've you've been crowned effectively, you know, dropped on your head, you're not going to have sort of the the wherewithal, like I say, to roll someone up. I just I just don't I don't buy that. 
the only so for example when um Fukin Death did it with the Star Crusher on Sayakamatani wasn't a huge fan of that even though with Fukin Death we expect the rolls up, roll ups spoiler wasn't a huge fan of it in the Julie versus Tekla match though I still really enjoyed that match here the only difference is that it wasn't a pinfall all Natsupoi had to do was literally thrust her legs and knock Starlight Kid off the apron. That was all she had to do. So I can sort of let it slide. If it was a pinfall and she just rolled through the Black Tiger driver into a pinfall, I would have more of an issue with it. And I do completely understand why you would have an issue with that, especially with it being, you know, Starlight's nuclear finish. But... I do appreciate that effectively all Star all Natsupoy had to do was knock Starlight Kid off balance with them already being on the apron. And Natsupoy did sort of sell the injury to the neck that the Black Tiger Power Driver gave her um after the match, but I do I do understand what you're saying there. Um that spot that you mentioned before where um Starlight tries to beal Natsupoy off the rope by her hair and she cartwheels off the top rope. It's just insane. I couldn't even dream of doing that. I'd pull a hamstring by getting onto the top rope, never mind doing the rest of it. Um, I broke my ankle just watching it. I was literally <laughs> on my couch. I'm like, oh, and like my daughter's like, Dad, what's wrong? I broke my ankle. I was doing what? So look at this spot. <laughs> um, speaking about Natsupoy, I defy anyone who says that Natsupoy's German suplex isn't up there with the best in the company, if not the best in the company. The way she completely folds Starlight Kid in half with that first release one is fantastic i i do genuinely really enjoy this match it's one of my favorite cinderella matches dodgy mat dodgy finish aside i actually gave it four stars i mean starlight kid tends to have really good matches in this tournament a match with momo in 2020 springs to mind but yeah i gave it four stars thought it was really well constructed it was wrestled at a ferocious pace yeah one of the matches of the first round for me matt I was I was uh, three and a half just because again the finish uh, and I really dwell too much on it. It's cool. It's a cool looking spot. Don't get me wrong, but um, again, it's done on the apron. It, it was done on the apron, so uh, you know I beat it to death. I'll obviously, uh, finish aside whether you like or dislike it. Uh, there's, I don't think anybody can uh, can argue that this wasn't a fantastic match. Would you still have an issue with it if it wasn't like Starlight Kid's nuclear finish? Like, if it was, like, I don't know, if she did the keychain bomb or something like that, instead of doing, you know, her massive finish, would you still have the I issue see, with it then? It's on the apron, and it, when, right. and we're, condi- we're conditioned to just the hardest part of the ring. And I take a lot, when I, if I'm in like a big match myself, like a title match or like a co-main event or main event, I always want to take a bump on the apron and then tease a count out where it's just like, okay, you know, whether it's a, a 10 count or a 20 count, and then, you know, I make sure that the ref is very, you know, uh, you know, in, into the count. So the fact that I'm down for nine seconds or 19 seconds, the fact that like she was down for like one second and then threw her off. That's why I was like, oh, come on. But again, great match. Uh, you know, you, you can never go around with, with, with these two. No, very, very true. Um, like I said, the amount of people who got Starlight Kid is the actual eventual winner of this tournament. Like, obviously, at the moment, we're running that competition on our Patreon, and thank you to everyone that's, um, that has entered that competition. But the amount of people that had Starlight Kid winning um, is is unreal. I think we all like, I think some of us expected it with the Mayu match, um, but I don't think anyone had Natsupoy winning there. So, well done, Natsupoy. 
Yeah, you save me a lot of money, not support. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't care. I love my listen. I love I love our fans, brother. <laughs> he will keep saying that. Um first round match then, and Matt again take a bow. Tam Nakano uh in her fifth tournament with a best finish of semi-finalist in twenty twenty versus Utami Hayashishta in her third tournament, has only ever reached the second round, by the way, ended in a ten minute time limit draw now for reasons known only to you tommy matt she did the entire press conference in the style of a parody of tam a character she's adopted called you tammy with creepily accurate facial expressions and a hilarious mimicry of her promo style this is transcribed by i can't remember the name and i'm really really sorry um but whoever did the entire press conference in English that Velkage uh, recommended to me, they tra- they transcribed Utami's um, speech as Utami. This is what it says. Everyone, hello. And it's with W's as well. So that's how she said it. Everyone, hello. That's funny. Exactly. I've come today on behalf of Utami Hayashishta. I am Utami Nakano. I think it should be someone cute, royal, and beautiful like Utami Nakano who gets to wear the dress and be Cinderella. Utami Hayashishista-san is going to win for me and challenge for the red belt for me, and I hope everyone gets to see me, Utami Nakano, wearing a cute, royal, beautiful dress. So then for the first round, Tam-san, I'm looking forward to working together. The fact that she's done that and then wrestles the first part of this match with Tam and acts as though she's got no idea what Tam's on about when Tam asks whether it's Utami or Utami that has turned up to this match and then does the pose to freak Tam out. I laughed so much at that. Did you see where she, I think it's on Twitter. You probably just go on Sidem or Utami. You can go uh, Utami's, uh, now I'm calling her Utami. Uh, you go on her Twitter. <laughs> But where she's literally, they have her, like, she's, like, backstage. It might have been, like, right after the press conference. And they're playing Tam's theme. And she's doing, like, the entire, like, Tam entrance other than, like, the dance. <laughs> like, the part in there where it goes one, two, three. Like, she does the whole thing. And I was like, oh, man, you know? Like, obviously, I'm a huge fan of both. I'm a big fan of Utami. But the fact that she's mocking Tam here, uh, now um, she's probably my least favorite wrestler of all time. So uh, she's no, a de facto I, heel in this match. I was like, God damn you! No, I thought this was uh, th- this was just this was my favorite match of the uh, the first round. I thought this was great for several different reasons. Um, I, a lot of my friends that are New Japan fans, diehard New Japan fans, that I'm trying to get them on the Stardom board, I explained to them that Utami is a lot like Okada where she needs like 15, 20 minutes to really, really get going. And then once, once she gets going, it's like one of the best matches you've ever seen, like the two Sherry matches, uh, the, the Hazuki matches, the Micah matches. She needs she needs a good amount of time to really tell that story. And here she only gets 10 minutes. And this, to me, was the best short Utami match I've ever seen. Uh, I thought it was, you know, they had a really good open. And then uh, Utami gets the advantage. And then she does, like, the Tam pose right in Tam's face, and Tam is on the ground. And she gets up, like, 93 Undertaker, where she just sits up, and she's all pissed off. And she's all, you could just see the frustration and just how, like, mad Tam is. And then, like, for the next eight, eight and a half minutes, they just, like, don't take a breath. They just go back and forth. I mean, this is really, really good. Um, Tam uh, Tam uh, hits a German suplex and then eats a German suplex by Utami. You know, you talk about Natsupoy's German suplex. I think... Uh, Utami's up is up there, right up there as well, uh, with hers. Um, 
there was a, the, the tiger, Tam hit a tiger bomb. I haven't seen her hit, hit a tiger bomb before. It was a really big tiger bomb. I thought it was really good. And then she rolled it over in the tiger suplex. She, uh, she went for the violent shooting and she got caught into a power bomb of her own. I thought that was a cool spot. Uh, obviously, Utami basically taking the uh, persona of Tam. So not only knows Tam's mannerisms, but knows her moves as well. So the violent shooting is kind of like a setup for her going for one of her finishes. So he eats the big power bomb there. They kind of just got kind of go back and forth. A nice 50-50 match, um, and then uh, Utami winds up eating the uh, violent screwdriver, but uh, Utami winds up kicking out, and then uh, they wind up going to the time limit draw. But I thought this was excellent. I thought this was really really good, uh, and uh, I'm glad that I got actually one ma- one of these matches right at the first round, <laughs> and it just happened to be the the uh, the Rossio Gala special brother the time limit draw. But I thought this was terrific between just the two of them going back and forth. The psychology was there, you know, Utami doing something different, becoming Utami. And then you saw like a little bit even more of a violent side of Tam just getting pissed off because it's like, hey, you're mocking me, you know? Did you see the, it was a gif of the end of the press conference where they were doing the sort of the roll call and everyone was uh, standing posing for the photo. And Utami was next to Julia. And Julia is attempting to stare out Utami, who is doing the Utami thing. And Julia just absolutely creases, just can't hold it together. You just see her go from really hard-faced Julia to absolutely wearing herself. I thought that was really funny. Um, yeah, the, I, the one thing I didn't want was, you know, it was brilliant to start off with, but they knew when to stop it as well and just kick into high gear, which I really appreciated because after that first bit of disrespect where Utami's doing the poses and then Tam responds by covering Utami doing the same pose, from there they just throw each other around the ring and it's great. Um, we get two massive kickouts, Tam from a torture rack bomb and Utami at the last possible second from that Tiger suplex, one of the best 2.999 counts we've seen in a while. Um, again, time limit draw, but it does make sense here. Keeps both women strong, looking strong for a potential rematch down the line. And as Rossi said in the intro to this um, on the press conference, you know, this is to highlight future talent or rising talent. Both these two are established. Like, both these two are already huge stars. So though they don't necessarily need the run in the Cinderella that someone like a Mirai could really benefit from or a Sayurida could really benefit from. Um, so overall, really, really enjoyable match. The right finish, I gave it four stars. Probably the best match of the tournament. So Yeah, far. four star, four stars for me as well. And the thing with these two is they, they have a lot of big moves. And they know where to put them, when to do them, when to have somebody counter them, especially like in big matches, and then when to come back to them. Like they had three or four, you know, between the German suplexes and Tam with the violent shooting, you know, Utami with the uh, hijack bomb, the torture rack bomb and her clotheslines. Um, obviously, uh, Tam with the, uh, uh, the Twilight Dream, excuse me. Like these two really, and the majority of the upper echelon of Stardom, they really know when and where to put their put their uh, big moves in. And it just makes the, the matches just build built so much better in 10 minutes they got all that in yeah absolutely um randomly in the middle of the tournament we had a second round match uh match eight was a second round match with Sayakamatani in a third tournament and the winner of the 2021 tournament taking on Micah and this ended in a double elimination over the top rope in six minutes and four seconds um were you surprised that we had effectively two draws on the bounce and the fact that this was what was effectively right smack dab in the middle of the card, Matt. 
Yeah, at first I was like, I didn't think we would have the second round match uh, on the first day. Again, it's just like, well, there's not enough matches. We can do 14. Now let's do 16. Let's do another <laughs> first round match. And let's just give the second round match. Obviously, uh, I think the way they have it booked out, and they probably have it planned out for the next few shows. I think that's what they had to do. But I thought this was really, really good. And it's about halfway through. I'm sitting here watching this, and I'm like, okay, I know this is going to go less than 10 minutes. But I would really like to see this match somewhere down the line, main event of the show, for the white belt. And ultimately, you know, spoilers, that's basically the promo that happens. I believe it's going to happen in Micah's hometown, I believe, on uh, May the 5th. So, uh I think that that's going to be really good. The uh, As far as this match goes, you know, this was a rematch, correct me if I'm wrong, Rob, of the final from last year, right? It was indeed, yeah. It was indeed. Yeah. And not, yeah, not only did I know that, but if you didn't know that, you can buy <laughs> Living the Dream, Final <laughs> 10th Anniversary in review. <laughs> uh, yeah, fair play. Fair play. Oh, Still didn't go, see brother. it coming either. Still didn't see it coming. Sometimes I don't even know when I'm going to do it, man. I, I always bring the book with me with my notes, even though like I may not refer to it. Just if I look over, I'm like, okay, I got to fit that really cheap plug in there somewhere. So, But uh, anyway, I thought this was really good. And how about that Harley race style stalling suplex that Micah did the Sia onto the apron? You know, you want to talk about an apron bump. Oh, boy. Like, I'd rather take like a pile driver or a tombstone just because it's like, well, you're kind of more protected by when taking it. It's basically the person giving it to you. It's on their knees. But that suplex, that's all flat back by you, especially somebody like Mike, who's one of the taller uh, people in stardom. But I thought this was really good, and I actually forgot the finish of this match when I was watching it. I actually forgot it was happening. I'm like, why are we doing a second round match? But I'm like, okay, whatever. I'll take these two. And then Saya goes for the Hurricanrana on the apron, and uh, her, her head almost hits the apron. I was like, oh, boy. That could have been close. And then uh, she gets powerbombed off the apron. And I remember I even kind of said out loud, I'm like, okay, well, who won? And it reminded me of uh, Luger and uh, Brett Royal Rumble 94. I was like, you know, I was like, who won? Who won? And then I was like, I, I kind of actually kind of had to look it up to see just because it's like, obviously, I don't speak Japanese as much Japanese wrestling as I've watched over the last 20 some years. I was kind of confused. And I was like, oh, we got a double elimination. So that's going to put another buy going into, uh, I believe, the quarterfinals coming up here soon but i thought this was solid i thought this was probably the second best match of the tournament and i had this one at three and three four stars and i cannot wait for their uh their white belt title match coming up here next month no i i gave it three and a half i thought this was it was a good match it was a good next chapter in their history um overall i think it was again possibly the right choice to give them the time the uh, double elimination again neither woman specifically needs this Micah went to the final last year Saya won it last year and obviously the biggest story here was that Micah wants that white belt shot and not only does she want that white belt shot she wants it in her hometown of Fukuoka on May the 5th in you know what will be the next big pay-per-view um, which I think is the Goddess Festival I think it's called so overall it was sort of a build-up to that match as opposed to an advert for the Cinderella, which I'm completely fine with. We've said that Micah should be in line for a white belt shot for a couple of months now. Um, so the fact that we're getting Saya versus Micah on that show, along with a really random title match that I can't wait to get your opinion on, and I don't know where it's come from, so I can't wait to talk to you about that. But that already makes that show very, very interesting. Um, very, very quickly... Does Saya drop the belt in Fukuoka? Oh, I'm going to say no, but obviously we'll see on the build. You know, we got four weeks for the build. So, yeah, we talked about how we, uh, we've we been saying on this podcast we'd like to see Micah get a white belt shot, and here she is. So 
I don't know. Maybe some of the people over in Stardom are listening to uh, to our podcast, buddy. I don't know. Um, hello there, people from Stardom. Patreon.com forward slash Stardomcast. Hashtag Rob Goodwin was right. <laughs> um, we move back to the first round with match nine with two tournament debutants, May Sakurai defeating Lady C with a roll-up in five minutes and 31 seconds. Um, cards on the table, Matt. This is the first match that I didn't get into at all. Here's my notes. Uh, Lady C throws a really good big boot and May, capture Isaac. May uh, catches her in a cradle. Next. That's about it, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> that That's literally all there is in this match. Um, there's two moments that I picked out in this match. Sakurai hits her awful standing elbow drop, and Lady C rolls her up instantly, presumably because of the slide being hit with such a dreadful-looking move. The pair then exchange big boots without any sort of escalation for the last two minutes of the match, where, for a while, I was convinced we'd gone back in time to the weird glitch on Stardom World, where it used to randomly cut back to a previous point in the match. I don't know if you remember that glitch on Stardom World, but it used to do my head in. Um, where the the audio would still carry on, but the picture would cut back to a previous point in the match. I was convinced we were in just an ongoing loop of these big boots. Um, it ends abruptly with this new roll-up variation. Ultimately, it's the definition of meh. Uh, I gave it a star and three quarters, Matt. It was, it was there, wasn't it? Yeah, again, it was another match that had to get you know get in and get out, and that's that. But uh, yeah, you're talking about the uh, the loop going on. You thought you were seeing just the two of them boot each other over and over again. It'd be funny that you see Rob; he's watching it, and all of a sudden you see Doctor Strange just hovering over him, just uh, putting <laughs> putting with a time completely time loop. But uh, yeah, it was what it was. Um, but again, you have 16 matches; you have to have some of these matches go fast. And God bless both of these ladies; they try really, really hard. But it's like, yeah, if we need a match to go fast, it's going to be this one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, match 10 then. First round match. Tournament debutant Saya Ida defeating Rina in her second tournament. Made it to the second round last year by beating Bloody Azumi um, with the Idabashi in four minutes and 46 seconds. A um, couple of things. Last year, I didn't realize Rina became the youngest ever competitor in a Cinderella tournament at 15 years old. Or was she 14? She might have been 14 at that point. Um, but she had to be replaced um, because of injury to face Mayu Iwatani in the second round. Um, this is Sayurida's tournament debut because she was also injured and replaced in last year's tournament due to her knee injury. Um, pardon my language, but in the press conference, Rina called Saya, and I quote, a loud-haired, shitty gorilla. That's rude. That's just rude. Which is Which is harsh. Um, with with Saya responding that she's going to dress her muscles up with the Cinderella dress come the end of the tournament, and I think she called herself Stardom's tomboy, which uh, which really made me giggle. Um, but based on that hair comment, a great deal of Rena's offense is hair based, Matt. Right from the get go, right from the get go, she goes right for the hair. Obviously, she's the heel. She's in the heel faction, you know, one of 84 members of a weirdo tie. But uh, basically, yeah, she goes right to the hair and goes for the, the, the quick uh, the quick covers there. She gets the advantage. I was a big fan of the falsy where Rena was on the outside, but she didn't go over the top rope and Saeeda did. And she's trying to pull Saeeda 
off the apron. And she basically, Saida just kind of just does like this basically almost like a squat where she just pushes Rena all the way to the commentator's table. I thought that was a cool little tease. It was like, oh, is she going to get her? She's going to get her. But obviously, we talked about Saida, uh, maybe the only person in the stardom roster that refused. Not only doesn't skip leg day, I think she does leg day every day of the week. Uh, you can see it just Absolutely. on her build. I thought that I thought that was really cool because we talk about that all the time. And she kind of uses her leg strength to kick off the teenage uh, teenage arena there. And I thought the, they, they get back in the ring and they do some exchanges for almost like high-speed exchanges with some roll-ups. But ultimately, Saida gets on top and gets the win. I thought this was solid. Again, it's another quick match, but the, the two of them really, really worked hard. And they worked well together. I gave this one a solid three-and-a-quarter start. Yeah, I gave it two and three quarters. It was it was good. It was fine. Um, I enjoyed the dynamic between Rena and Sayurida. Um, Sayurida is just great. I love watching Sayurida, and she is jacked. Like her muscles have muscles. That is how jacked she is. And I'm glad she's getting the um, the highlight here because she should have made her tournament debut last year. Um, but I think it was actually the press conference for last year's Cinderella tournament where it was announced that Saya was injured and will be out for the rest of the year. So uh, it's poetic that she gets the victory here. It's nice. Match 11 then, another first round match. Koguma, who was taking part in her first tournament since the initial tournament in 2015, where she was also the finalist and lost to Mayu Iwatani, defeated Fukikin Death, who is in her fourth tournament and has never made it past the first round. <laughs> Uh, when she reversed an O'Connor roll in three minutes. Um, Death's entrance video might be the right. best thing about this entire first round match. Yeah, even it, it even popped the I you know, I saw they they was all over uh social media, Twitter Twitter and Instagram like right when it happened. So I was kind of spoiled to it. But what I wasn't spoiled to was the fact that you have here you have a way to tie. They're like the evilest group, and they're all all eighty four members are always out there to get the advantage. And they show when the when the when they show the uh, the, the the cartoon image of Fukin Death in the Cinderella dress, they show a weed of time. They all pop. They're all popping. <laughs> I thought that was great. Uh, and it, you know, and this match out of all of them was the match to me that over delivered. Obviously, Death is very good at what she does. Koguma is she's fantastic. But I thought this match over-delivered, and I also thought, you know, we're kind of coming off the same weekend as uh, as WrestleMania, where we saw The Undertaker go into the Hall of Fame, and you saw the that you saw Death and Koguma do the old-school spot. And I was like, well, that makes sense. Who can Death? Death is in her name. The Undertaker is associated with Death. Why should why wouldn't she be doing that move every every time? So she wind up doing it right, and then she Koguma tries to do it, and she winds up getting countered. But I thought this was really good, you know, again, akin to a high-speed match, uh, which makes sense, not only with one, with these two and two, the time limit. I thought this match over-delivered, like I said. Uh, I thought the finish was really good, just the back-and-forth stuff. I mean, you had the comedy, you know, with the bear, and then the uh, the fact that Kogomo wasn't selling the death, death, death thing, and then she was trying to do the bear dance to, uh, with death in the beginning. Uh, I thought everything, you know, they hit all the high notes, they hit all their spots, they hit all their gimmicks. I thought this was... Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable for the short amount of time it was on my TV, and I had it at three and a quarter stars. I've said it many times that it takes the right person to have a good comedy match with death. So the example I always use is Mayu in the five star in 2020, where they did something different. It was all based around Mayu's book. That was a really good match because it was something different. It wasn't just the same old death shtick that we see multiple, multiple times. And I had a feeling that Kogma would be the right person 
to pair with Death here, and, and she was. She was fantastic. There was the foot stomp exchange at the start. There was the moment that Kogama eats the cigarette and dies, and oh, <laughs> yeah. Death doesn't know what to do with the dead body of Kogama. <laughs> it was that that genuinely popped me. That was great. Um and then the dueling row walks. I was convinced because I had death going over here. I was convinced that death was going over Kogama. Um the moment where Kogama is doing the rope walk, I was convinced that, well, all right, Death's just going to push her and win. Great. What a great way to finish the match. And then Kogama got off the rope, so I was like, oh, damn it. Um, and sure enough, Kogama rolls through an O'Connor roll for the victory. But overall, I thought, I think you uh, you said it perfectly, this match massively over-delivered. And to be honest, I'm going to give it three and a quarter star, and I am giving it an extra quarter star for that absolutely outstanding entrance video. Um, that actually tells the story of Cinderella just with Death's face superimposed over the top of it. Fantastic. Definitely worth your time. Um, match 12 then. First round match with my winner, Himika, in a second tournament. She was a semi-finalist last year, defeating Ruwaka, who was taking part in a second tournament, uh, eliminated in the first round last year, beating her with a lariat in six minutes and two seconds. Good grief, Matt. I thought we'd called this on the prediction show when at the five-minute mark, Ruwaka hit a shot with that vegetable crate. I was like, no. No, it can't happen. It can't happen. No, and then... Himika kicked out and I could breathe again Um, because we'd said oh how funny would it be now for Oaka beats her in about five minutes I was like please don't happen please don't I can't be burnt by Oeratai again Um, however this match it was neither woman's best showing in truth I've I've felt this before when I've seen these two wrestle that they lack a little bit of chemistry together and I don't know whether it's because as competitors they are very similar stylistically I just I don't know. I don't know whether it was overshadowed a little bit by the weird finish, which I know didn't bother you as much as it bothered me, Matt. Yeah, uh, I agree. These th- these two really didn't gel. Not only that, but like Rewaka, who I'm kind of been hit or miss on the last few months, she had like 70, 75% of this match like on the offense. I'm just considering the fact that Himika has a really good, you know, high speed, not high speed, like high powered uh, offense. I just didn't think that might have been the right way to go about this. But yeah, these two, they just they just don't gel. They just don't gel. And it was kind of like really nothing happening in the match. It was just it was almost like all heat on Himika. And Ruaka's offense, like her kicks, her strikes, they don't look all that impressive, especially up against, you know, one of the bigger, stronger people on the stardom roster. Uh, obviously, you know, it picked up right towards the end where she gets hit with the uh, that terrible vegetable crate or suitcase or whatever you want to call it. And then uh, there's that spot where they go for the power, top rope or the power bomb off the top rope and just didn't seem like they had their timing. And then I think uh, it was like, well, let's just take it home. And then uh, Himika just hits that giant lariat for the win. I'm all about lariats for wins. I know she likes to go for the JP coaster. It's cool that she has like two finishers that she can go with. Again, bless them for trying, but yeah, this just just uh, did not hit it for me. And I know with us talking yesterday, I think me and you were kind of in the same boat with this one. Yeah, it just it felt very very strange. Like the finish in general felt weird because for a considerable amount of time, Himika used the running power bomb as her finish, and she got Ruaka off the ropes, but didn't. It was a very sloppy looking power bomb, and she covered for a two count and then just got up and told Daichi to stop counting. I think it was Daichi Moriyama in the ring. And then 
sort of picked up Ruaka and hit her with the lariat and then pinned her, which I didn't really understand because the powerbomb seemed to be the logical finish. And Ruaka didn't look like she was going to be kicking out of that powerbomb. Daichi didn't look like he was going to stop his count. And it wasn't like Ruaka pulled... Uh, sorry, Himika didn't pull Ruaka up from the pinfall. She just got up. It was it was a very strange finish. I just, yeah. It, you it, know, you know, you know. Now that you bring that to light, maybe it was the powerbomb was supposed to be the finish, but maybe Himika just being the vet, and maybe some of that is going to go far in this tournament and might win it again. Might be hashtag Rob Goodwin is right. You kind of want to set your first match at least with the finish, something like that's memorable. And it's like, oh, that powerbomb was terrible. That was supposed to be the finish. Well, I'm not going to let that be the finish because uh, I don't want to have a sloppy finish. So I'm just going to get up and I'm just going to nail it with this clothesline. So maybe that was the train of thought in it. She may have even said, hey, watch the clothesline, then got up and just drilled it with the clothesline. You know, now that you bring that to light, that's a good possibility of probably what happened there. Maybe, maybe. But the most important thing to come out of this match is for the first time ever, a Rob pick is actually through to the second round of the Cinderella, which is cause for tremendous <laughs> celebration. Don't care how she does it, by hook or by crook, she's into the second round. That's the main thing. Um, I gave it two stars, man. I wasn't, I wasn't massively enamored with this match at all. Again, I give it the, uh, uh, you'll give it to you three stars because I, I appreciate the effort. So I know this match. I, I got. I, I'm gonna do a terrible segue here. This match wasn't for us, but this next one sure was, wasn't it, brother? Oh, absolutely. I loved this match. Match 13, first round match. By the way, that was a great segue. Don't do yourself down. Um, <laughs> Hazuki, in her fifth tournament uh, with a best finish of semi-finalist in 2017, defeated the de the tournament debutante, Miyu Amasaki, with the Rings of Saturn in five minutes and 32 seconds. Mio Amasaki is quite literally the definition of looking good in defeat here. She has future star written all over a map. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because as this match was starting, Hazuki comes walking to the ring, and my wife comes walking. Now, I already told her the uh, the finishes of, of uh, the first round. Basically, brackets are busted. She had Yutami winning. Just like me, we're, we're, oh, we were like one out of ten, whatever. So Hazuki comes walking to the ring, and she goes, you know what? I like Hazuki. I think she might be my new pick to win the tournament. And then I grab her Cinderella bracket and I go, yeah, you have Miyu beating Hazuki, who's been wrestling all of like three or four months. <laughs> so I just thought that was pretty funny that her second pick that she had, I was like, yeah, you didn't even have her going past the first round. So I thought that was, uh, I thought that was pretty entertaining. So, um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, I mean, she looked like she's been wrestling three, four years here, brother. Yeah, absolutely. I thought she looked great. And she said in the press conference that she was doing some training with Hazuki, which I know she's also been uh, training with Azumi. And just like Momo Kogo, I feel like that really shined through here. She really had a lot of Hazuki little traits and little mannerisms. Um, she attacked straight away with drop kicks. And Hazuki gives her a considerable amount in this match. I mean, she lets her hit a massive DDT, that modified pile driver. Um, I mean, Azuki wins out, obviously, um, sort of locking in a very brutal modified STF and then transitioning into a Rings of Saturn for the win. But I thought, Miyu Amasaki, I mean, that knee bar was tremendous as well, the way she got into that. The, the way she's doing the little things in wrestling you're absolutely spot on, Matt. You would feel that she is she you, she's wrestling beyond her years without a shadow of a doubt, isn't she? 
Yeah, I feel like she's wrestling three or four years, and that's just not three or four years in, like, random promotions. That's, like, three or four years in stardom working for the, you know, one of the best overall wrestling companies in the world. I mean, just watching her wrestle, just, like, she has confidence. She has charisma. Her placement in the ring, like, her timing, even, like, the little spots that her timing or ring positioning was off is all things that Hazuki was was uh, correcting. It's not like it needed major correcting, but, like, Hazuki made sure everything was in the right place. You know, there was no wasted motion. This match was absolutely fantastic. Uh, again, there is going to there's huge star potential for her already. I mean, to me, again, I mean, it's only I think about her second or third singles match. This was the best match I've seen her in, and I think we're going to be saying that a lot, you know, over the next few po- podcasts because she just keeps getting better. And they're putting her in the right opponent with, with the right opponents. And again, Hazuki did a really good job where she didn't give her too too much, but she gave her enough where you know we're talking about just how good Miyu Amazaki is already. Oh yeah, and let's not let's not downplay the job that Hazuki did here. I mean, we talked about it at the New Blood show when she was in the ring with Utami. Let's not downplay the role that the other person does here. But I just wanted to give a real cap tip, basically, to Miyu Amazaki because I can I can almost see her with the white belt. She just she strikes me as a white belt champion. Um, I gave it three and a quarter altogether, Matt. What about you? Yeah, same same with you. I was pretty close to three and a three and a half here, but this was fantastic. And uh, yeah, I think you're going to see her. Coming up the ranks, you'll probably see you get a future belt title shot, maybe a high speed, you know, somewhere down the line. But yeah, in a year or two, I can see her challenging for the uh, for the white belt as well, and maybe even a you know a lengthy you know year plus reign with it. So uh, yeah, she's got star potential written all over her. I think the only two things that can stop her is one, obviously injury, and two, if uh, one of the evil empires come and scoop her up. Absolutely. Um, match 14 then another first round match with Julia in her third tournament one of the previous winners winning it in 2020 defeated Tekla a tournament debutante with a roll up reversal in 8 minutes and 54 seconds now I know you weren't a fan of the finish Matt but what about the rest of the match the rest of the match was excellent uh, Tekla came out with her new hairdo obviously we've seen, we talk about it all the time about her gym work I just absolutely just cut up everywhere. Just, I think everybody in this tournament, I think, was like Ab Day or something. Because boy, everybody, everybody's core was uh, looked super strong here. Uh, I don't know if you picked up on this, but Julia did uh, the, the Konami arm kick spot, like right from the almost right from the start. Did you did you notice that? I did notice that. I thought it was, I thought it was weird that she did it to effectively her friend. Like I thought that was something you saved exclusively for people that you hated. But don't get me wrong, loved the spot. Yeah, I, th- I literally, that's literally my first note. But yeah, I thought the match was solid. Obviously, you know these two are going to have a good match. Tekla, just like Mariah, just keeps getting better every time we see her. Julia, you know, I mean, we wax poetically about how great she is, especially with that uh, it factor. Obviously, these two are, you know, really good friends in real life. And that obviously showed. You can just see the two of them uh, just smiling as they're hitting each other, trying, you know, trying their best to try to, like, not sell it, but sell it, if you know what I mean. The fact that they're in there just kicking the crap out of each other and having a good time. Uh, yeah, it was a solid match. Again, I'm not a big fan of when somebody gets hit with a big move and it's just a roll-up. I mean, it's cool on paper because then it gets rolled right back up and Julie got got the win there. But why couldn't she just hit her with the glorious driver and, and that was that? Or, you know, as she's going to go put her down, you kind of almost do the Steamboat Savage finish from WrestleMania 3 where uh, she doesn't hit the move, but she rolls through and gets like a two and a half there. And then maybe she goes for the Toxic Spider. She gets booted in the head. And then the glorious driver. Um, again, I'm not somebody to tell these two women how to wrestle. They're both fantastic. I thought the match was really good. 
three and a quarter star. But again, I just I don't like those finishes where somebody hits their finishing move, and then not only do they not get a three count out of it, they don't even get a one count out of it. It just quickly rolled up into a, a fall. Like I understand what they're trying to do there, but to me, it kind of diminishes the finish. No, I'm with you. I I completely understand that. Um, I think you pretty much said everything I got to say about this match. It was hard hitting. I thought Tekla, this game's are really stupid now. She looked like a proper like. I don't know whether it's just because I've seen that picture of her sitting on like an ice throne, but she did proper look like an ice square. I thought she was great. Um, probably the best I've seen Tekla look, to be perfectly honest. Um, but yeah, three and three core stars. Properly enjoyed this match. One of the longer ones in the tournament, but overall a really really good one. Match 15, first round match. The semi-main of this show saw Azumi in her fourth tournament, best finish of quarter-finalist in 2019, defeat Momo Watanabe in her seventh tournament, again, having only missed the 2017 tournament, and the winner in 2018 with the Azumi Sushi in three minutes and four seconds. I mean, yes, this went three minutes and four seconds, but... Goodness gracious me, this was non-stop, and it was bloody great, Matt. This is the best subpar, a sub-five-minute match I've ever seen. This was absolutely fantastic. They told so many stories. There were so many throwbacks from their from their first uh, singles match, but when Momo first turned, like right from the wrench, right from the get-go, and Azumi was there for all of it. And by, I mean, she like knew the tricks. It's just like, okay, it's almost like Azumi was studying that match over and over again to get prepared for this match because she countered every single one of these dirty heel tactics that Momo was trying to do. And there's that one spot where she goes for the Izumi sushi, like maybe two minutes in and uh, Momo gets out and just destroys her with the double knees to the back of the head. Uh, again, three minutes. And this is like one of the ma- one of the many reasons why I love stardom as a performer. I cannot tell you how many times that like, I'll be on a show and I'll be like, I'll be co-main or main event or whatever, and the show's running long, and I'm supposed to have 15 minutes, and then it gets cut down to 12, and then it gets cut down to 10. They're like, yeah, we got to be out of the building. You have like five, six minutes to tell your story. I'm like, how am I going to tell my story in less than 12 minutes? And then I watch stuff like this, or stuff like Starlight Kid and Mayu in the uh, the finals of the Grand Prix last year, and I'm like, yeah, you dummy. If you, It's really simple if you think about it. Like, you can tell that story. And they told so many stories in three minutes and five seconds. This was probably my second or third favorite match of the tournament. Uh, obviously, me and you definitely want to see these two go 15 minutes. But to me, this just made complete sense. Mumble's been on a roll since uh, uh, the two pay-per-views World Climax. This just makes complete sense for Azumi to kind of like, I'm going to be a foil for all your cheap tactics. And then all it takes is just a quick Azumi Sushi uh, for a one, two, three. And I think that's probably what we're going to see coming up with her match and Sherry coming up. I think that you're going to see the Izumi Sushi beat a lot of people as she uh, climbs up the ladder going towards the Cinderella tournament. But I thought this was absolutely tremendous. Yeah, completely agree with you. I thought I thoroughly enjoyed this match and you've glossed over the fact that we are getting Hazuki versus Izumi in the next round. Like, oh my goodness, my bad. <laughs> it, it feels like we're being spoiled somewhat. You know, Hazuki versus Azumi with a 15-minute time limit. Yes, please, hook it up to my veins. Um, <laughs> the sequence for Azumi to get out of the Tree of Woe and slam Momo headfirst into the turnbuckle using her legs was tremendous. Like, it was a really innovative spot, but to do it as seamlessly and to do it as quickly as they did, I thought was just 
fantastic. Um, this is definitely, you know, at three minutes, definitely one of the matches you need to check out. I went three and a half stars. It's non-stop. Go and check it out. And finally, Azumi has her win over Momo Watanabe, which is a huge thing. Yeah, eliminates the 2018 winner. I was uh, three and three fourths. There you go. Match 16, then, the main event of this show, the match that we didn't think we were getting until Rossi thought that we hadn't seen enough wrestling on this show, um, is the final first-round match. Suri in her third tournament of a, with a best finish of semifinals in 2020 uh, defeated Ami Suri, uh, making her tournament debut with the Suzaku in nine minutes and 48 seconds. Um, Matt, big question. What did you think of Amisori's stardom debut? I've never seen her wrestle before, and I was thoroughly impressed. This match was right up my alley. I think they had maybe two spots called in the back and knew the finish was going to be a submission, and they just went out there and beat the crap out of each other. And uh, they really pushed the time limit on this one. I didn't think this was going to go the time limit draw just because we saw a couple other draws. Uh, so I kind of figured Sherry would get the win here. But they did a really good job on uh, on Amy's debut. I thought she looked really good. You know, she's in there with the champ. She's in there with the person who won the five-star past year, who's been on an absolute tear. And I thought they gave her just enough where she looked really credible uh, against Sherry here. And I thought this match was really, really good. Again, ultimately, it was just, you know, the arm work, the MMA work, uh, just coming out here for the champ. But I thought that this was uh, solid. I had this one at three and three fourth stars again, up my alley. Submissions, hard hitting, uh, selling, selling through the pain, you know, fighting spirit, you know, hook it up to my veins, sir. I mean, this was a fantastic match. They they both did very, very well, and I'm extremely excited to see more of Ami. I can't wait because Amasori does a great pounce. And I cannot wait for Mayu Iwatani to sell that pounce. Because she is oh, going to go flying. She is going to she's going to look like what's the phrase? An octopus in a washing machine. She's going to go absolutely flying and I can't wait. Um You, the, you know where she's gonna wind up you know you know when, when Mayu gets in the ring she throws the tennis ball? Yes. <laughs> she's gonna wind she's gonna wind up to the person uh in front of the person that caught the tennis ball. <laughs> hey, 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 hey Mayu, while you're here, can you sign this for me? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um I mean, this the fact that we went 12 seconds towards the time limit is a good way to build Ami without having her win. Um, you know, she's pushing Shuri to a limit, showing basically what we can expect from her. I thought in terms of how they structured this match, it was great. Overall, another really enjoyable match. Um, the big thing, however, to come out of that is the fact that Shuri's unit has a brand new name, and that name is God's Eye. Being the ones chosen by the God of Fighting, our name is God's Eye, says Suri. Now, in terms of faction name, Matt, what do you think of God's name, and why is it better than Cosmic Angels? How dare you, sir? <laughs> I, I, I don't... And again, I'm not going to get into a whole religious tirade. I don't like people using uh, God you know, in that manner. I don't know if that makes any sense. Mm. Uh, you know, I don't I don't hate it, but I thought we were going to get Vermilion World. And uh, as soon as I heard that, I would think of the Slipknot song. So I was all thumbs up with that. But I don't know. <laughs> to me, I, to me again, I'm, I'm not going to get into a religious tirade. I'm just a very old school Catholic. And I think you should kind of leave God in the church or the God of War video games. But that's, that's just me. How about you? 
I like it. I really like it, actually. Especially as you know, oh. a lot of a lot of Sturie's stuff comes from mythology and things like that. So the idea of it being something to do with a deity makes perfect sense. You know, you look at um, her black tortoise, white tiger, those things, they all come from Chinese mythology and refer to something along those lines. So having it refer to that makes sense. Unfortunately, I can't not hear bird's eye when I hear it. Now, I don't know why. (laughs) And obviously, you know, everybody loves bird's eye fish fingers. Everybody. But when you are trying to, you know, be involved in a really serious moment where Siri's like, my new faction name is God's Eye. And she's clearly, you know, the clearly deep-rooted meaning as to why she's chosen that. And all I can think about is fish fingers. And I'm pretty sure that's not where it should go. So hopefully... I'm not still going to be thinking bird's eye by the next time we do a podcast, but I might well do. Who knows, Matt? Um, well, I, I know the next T-shirt for, that's going to be on our uh, Teespring store is going to be <laughs> Sherry with uh, with fish fingers. <laughs> <laughs> um, however, just after they announced that, um, God's Eye got its third member, and that third member was Mirai. Um, Matt, did you see this coming? Are you surprised? I think kind of we knew what the split. We weren't sure who. We kind of had an idea. We figured Natsupoi would go with Sherry because they're off. They they team up quite a bit. We figured Tekla would stay and uh, my Sakurai would stay because they said they wanted to fight under Julia. So we were kind of thinking that uh, Mirai would stay with Julia just because she was brought in. Obviously, she's not as close uh, with Julia as Tekla is. So I was a little bit surprised. But at the same time, her style fits really perfect in this new group. I mean, it's just a bunch of bruisers, just three hard-hitting athletes. So uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. And, you know, I would love to see some uh, trios matches with the three of them versus Mayu, Hazuki, and Koguma. I think that would be, you know, something that we would definitely want to keep our eye on. Boy, I didn't even mean that. Oh, uh, look <laughs> at you. I didn't, didn't even mean it until Do you I mean said we it. need wow. to keep our bird's eye on it? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I, that's a match I would love to watch while I'm having a beer and uh, eating some fish fingers. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we need to give Sori and Mirai the goddess belts and just have them hold them forever. Um, just have them run through everyone like two apps, the absolute behemoths that they are. Um, just literally have them lariat their way through absolutely every other team and just have fantastic matches against the likes of Micah and Himika and Hazuki and Koguma and uh, Momo Watanabe and Starlight Kid. I think they could have tremendous matches. Um, I am also going to quickly put myself over because I said this. I said that Mirai would be joining them on the World Climax uh, review. I said that, do you think it's by design that Mirai was the only member of DDM not to team with another member of DDM? Look at you. Look at... I'll be honest, it's complete fluke, but I'm taking the win for that one. (laughs) That, folks. Unbelievable. He's a genius, folks. Now... Like Lanny Pop. Call him Lanny Pop. (laughs) I cannot believe you've made a Lanny Pop reference. (laughs) (laughs) I think I dick I think I dick Murdoch in last week. This is great. <laughs> oh, um so our standings for our Cinderella brackets as they stand. So let's start with Amber. So Amber, her winner, Utami, has been eliminated. But of the matches, of the sixteen matches that were on this card, she predicted ten of those sixteen matches correctly, which of course means six matches predicted incorrectly. 
Now, I think that's pretty good for someone who isn't very rarely watches the product. Um, myself, uh, my winner is still in at the moment, Himika, um, of the 16 matches that we saw on the card. I predicted 11 correctly, so I predicted five incorrectly, but my winner is still in, and that's important. Matt. Yes, sir. Your winner, Starlight Kid, and many, many other See, people's winner is eliminated. Is eliminated. However, despite your winner going out, you had the most match predictions correct for the first round. You only had four incorrect matches. Now, that's pretty impressive, my friend. Well done. Hey, I guess not too bad, considering the fact that he, I even had Mayu Itani one of my all-time favorite, not only stars, but wrestlers ever, going out in the first round to a rookie. So uh, that was a prediction that was out on the limb. But hey, you know, every now and again, you know, you have those bracket busters. But uh, yeah, I don't think that was a bit yeah. ambitious to have Mayu out to Momokogo, but we'll skate over that. Yeah, yeah. I, I noticed that when I was counting them along that I did halfway decent, but I was just still shocked of, uh, you know, just a couple bracket busters. You know, you have Saya out, Micah's out, uh, obviously Starlight Kid's out. I mean, Momo, Zumi, kind of flip a coin. You have a big star that's going to be out in the first round regardless. Uh, Utami's out. Tam's out. You know, so it's kind of almost anybody's tournament. But I think uh, Azumi has a really good shot. Uh, and it's we, it's so funny because, like, you have Azumi every year since even before she was wrestling. And uh, this might be the year that she's winning it. And it's the year you don't have to fix. <laughs> oh, imagine. I will lose. Oh, my God. If Azumi beats Himika in the semifinal, in the quarterfinal. I don't know if I can tell you that, Matt. Um, but the only matches you got wrong were the Lady C May Sakurai match. You went for Lady C. Um, of course I did. The Saya Kamatani and Micah match, and that went to a double elimination. So it's still incorrect, but that's unfortunate. Um, obviously, Starlight Kid, and then you predicting that Momo Kogo would somehow eliminate our Lord and Savior Iwatani. <laughs> um, <laughs> But overall, overall, I think that's a pretty good showing from everyone involved. Um, In other news then, let's preview a few shows before we disappear. Um, We've got shows from the 9th, the 10th, the 15th, the 17th, all have been released. Um, They have released the preliminary cards for the rest of Golden Week as well. So, pardon me, May 1st. May 2nd, May 3rd, and May 4th. We are going to be talking about May 1st, and you'll find out why in a moment. Um, But I just want to preview a couple of these cards for you now. So we start on April 9th, which is the first Stardom show back after the Cinderella, which is tomorrow as we record. And that card looks like this. We have got um, a tag team match, Saya Kamatani and Azumi versus Saya Ida and Momo Kogo. Uh, singles match, Yutami Hayashista, unless it's her friend, Yutami Nakano, we don't know, uh, versus Lady oh, yeah. C. We have got Birdseye versus Donna Del Mondo um, in a six-woman tag. The uh, God's Eye team of Siori, Mirai, and Amisori versus Julia, May Sakurai, and Tekla. Um, we've then got a six-woman tag. It doesn't say that it's for the Artist of Stardom Belts, but I think it might be. But at the moment, it's just yep. advertised as a six-woman tag match. From what I understand, Robin, I could be wrong. Again, I've been wrong before. Is that if it goes to a draw or the Stars team win, they get a title shot. Makes sense. So we can assume that the Stars team are going to win there then. Um, oh. 
It's my hit or draw. Or draw. Or draw. We know he loves a draw. Does our uh, does our Rossi? Uh, my Himipoi versus the Stars team of Azuki Kogama and Mai Wibitani. And then the main event of that show is an eight-woman tag match: Cosmic Angels, Tam Nakano, Mina Shirakawa, Yunagi Sayaka, and Wakasuki Yama taking on the Awedatai team of Saki Kashima, Ruwaka, Starlight Kid, and Momo Watanabe. So that is your card for April the 9th. Um, April the 10th in Osaka is as follows. This is a very tasty card because it has got two of the second round Cinderella matches and a title match. So this is definitely a card to look out for. We open with a six-woman tag. We've got Yutami Sayakamatani and Lady C of Queen's Quest versus Micah May Sakurai and Natsupoi of Queen of Donna Del Mondo, sorry. We've then got God. <laughs> We've then got God's Eye um, with Mirai and Amisori versus the Oedatai team of Ruwaka and Saki Kashima. We've then got an eight-woman tag team match. The Stars team of Mayu, Saeeda, Kogama and Momo Kogo taking on the Cosmic Angels team of Tamnakano, Mina Shirakawa, Yunagi Sayaka and Wakasuki Yama. We've then got the two second-round matches, Hazuki versus Azumi. Suri versus Himika. And then in the main event, we have got the Goddesses of Stardom Championship match, Black Desire, Momo Watanabe and Starlight Kid versus the Donna Del Mondo team of Julia and Tekla. That Osaka show on the 10th of April is going to be very, very tasty, Matt. Yeah, and that's not a paper. That's just a regular show? That's just a regular show, Osaka Edian Arena 2. Wow, that that is uh, pay-per-view level quality. Obviously, you know, I, I I sorry I cut you off, but I even you announced the first match, and it's like that's the opener. Holy jeepers! Like we're we're going with the bang there. Uh, obviously, the you have the two second round matches of Cinderella, the tag title match, and uh, the Stars versus uh, Cosmic Angels, eight person team. Even though we know Poor Walk is probably taking the fall there, oh, but uh, again, God, we yes. get we have we get to tease a little more Tam versus Mayu, which is always uh, two thumbs up in my book. But yeah, that is. Uh, that would be Sunday, correct? The 10th? It would indeed, yes, it would. Look at, look at me knowing a calendar. <laughs> <laughs> um, we then move on to April 15th. Now, this is Corrigan Hall's 60th anniversary show. And on the 15th, it is Joshi Promotions. And then I believe on the 16th, New Japan and All Japan are doing something. Um, I believe Sonata was supposed to be in the main event, um, but of course he's now injured. But I can't remember what the exact main event of that show is. But the Joshi card is as follows. Now, I've called this the Corrigan Hall 60th anniversary show preview. What it is going to be known as is the segment where Rob butchers every Joshi name. So get ready for this. We have got Maria from Marvelous versus Re Kawabala from H-Hearts. <laughs> sure. Why not? Um, we have got... Oh, my God. Do you know what? I'm just going to do the stardom ones. I'm bailing. I'm bailing. I can't do it. I'm going to have to bail. Um, <laughs> we have got stardom representation in the fourth match where we see um, Kogama um, in a match with Chiazora from Pure J and Ayumi from Sendai Girls taking on the team of Yuko Sakurai from Colors, Riko Kaiki from Seedling, and Lady C 
from Stardom. We then got Stardom representation in match number seven with the Cosmic Angels team of Yunagi Sayaka and Mina Shirakawa taking on Rin Kadakura from Marvelous and Haruka Yumasaki from Diana, obviously a continuation from that title match we talked about at the start of the show. In the semi-main, we have also got some more stardom representation with the team of Chihiro Hashimoto from Sendai Girls and Yu from EVE taking on Mirai from Stardom and Micah Ozaki, a freelancer. And then in the main event, we have got Starlight Kid from Stardom, uh, Mayumi Ozaki from Oz Academy and Maya Yukihi? Yukihi from Oz Academy. Again, Anyone that's out there, probably on our Discord, just just roll with it. Just roll with the way I'm butchering these names. Um, and they're taking on Nagisa Nozaki, Saki, and Takumi Aroha. Um, if we can watch that and review it for you, we'll check out definitely the stardom matches, but um, I will definitely be checking out the other matches as well. And we'll probably, re- we'll probably review it all, won't we, Matt? Probably. Absolutely. You just tell me what to do, sir. <laughs> um, April 17th which is the next Corican Hall date for Stardom is the Cinderella Tournament Quarter Finals and they are as follows we've got a couple of round two matches first we've got Julia versus Kogama Saya Ida versus Mai Sakurai Natsupoi versus Yunagi Sayaka and Mayu Iwatani versus Saki Kashima in the quarterfinals, then, we have got the winner of Suri and Himika versus the winner of Hazuki and Azumi. The winner of Julia and Kagame taking on the winner of Sayaida and Mei Sakurai. And then the winner of Mei Wiwatani and Saki Kashima taking on Mirai. Mirai getting by straight through to the quarterfinal on the back of Utami and Tam's time limit draw. Even without the rest of the card, that is a very, very, very tasty Corican Hall show, Matt. Yeah, it sure is. Corican Hall seems to kind of where uh, Stardom has really kind of been playing on their flag for these non-pay-per-view shows. But uh, yeah, I mean, just look at these potential, the matchups that are announced and the potential matchups for the for the rest of the Cinderella tournament. It's really going to be interesting to see. And I think the Julia Kagama match is going to be really one that I think is going to kind of overachieve. It's just like for, you know, obviously we're looking at, uh, you know, uh, Azumi and Azuki uh, and obviously uh, uh, Himika versus Sherry. But I think that's kind of a match that some people are kind of overlooking a little bit just because how stacked, you know, that some of these tournament matches are. But uh, yeah, again, Stardom as always bringing the heat, bringing the heat as we roll into the warmer months. How about that for you? Lovely. Very well <laughs> done. <laughs> what I will say is on the back of that, Kogama and Julia had a very, very, very good match in the five star last year so if they reach that level i'm very 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 excited um final thing i'm not going to go through all of the golden week shows because i feel like that's just too much information and as we get closer we'll preview those shows but one thing i do just want to say is the first show on the may 1st um a new bodyguard known as x will join god's eye and this show is going to be taking place in fukuyama city in hiroshima which just so happens to be the hometown of Konami. Oh, don't do this to me. Oh, so either Konami or the one-man gang <laughs> is going to be the new bodyguard. <laughs> Always the one-man gang. Always makes an appearance. Um, I mean, it's too perfect, isn't it? I mean... Oh. 
Jeepers. All oh of my the history God. with Konami and Suri. It has to be, doesn't it? Surely. Yeah. Oh, man. Now, it's th- this is almost like a, a half a level below where it's like, if it's not Kari, it's going to be, <laughs> everybody's going to be disappointed. It might, as they build this up, like, if it's not Konami, then everybody's going to be disappointed. But I didn't even, I didn't even go there. Didn't even think of it. And we kind of maybe even foreshadowed it with Julia using that arm punt from Konami and the match with Tech that we just talked about. Oh, boy. Again, we've seen her. She's all over social media training, training judo and jiu-jitsu. So it's like whatever she's going through, whatever injury she has, she seems like she's doing A-OK. And if they bring her back like slowly, like in a bodyguard role, and then just put her in six persons and eight persons, it's kind of a good way to slowly get her back into the fold. Oh, man, I would love it. I would love it for it to be Konami. I love Konami. She's so good. I mean, it's like I say, it's just too perfect. I mean... It's be- you built that up. Listen that's, to the. That's, that's your fault now. It's not her. <laughs> swear to God, if it's May Sakurai, I swear to God. Oh my! It's <laughs> Kyrie, and she just does the insane elbow. <laughs> um, the verbiage as well is really important. Will join God's Eye, not they'll debut. So it makes me think that it's going to be someone already on the roster. Plus, there's already about 435 secret women coming into stardom, which is great, makes it very exciting. But it does make it a little bit hard to keep a track of. Um, I think with it being in Hiroshima, it's got to be. It it just has to be Konami. I'd be, I'd be very that? surprised if it's anyone else. What's the date of that show, buddy? May 1st. It's the first date of the Golden Week shows. Man, it's only a couple weeks away. Now I got like three weeks to build this up into my head now. Oh, man. <laughs> um, are you ready for that random title match that we've got for the Goddess Festival show on the 5th then? Yeah, what, I'm trying to think. What, what are you talking about? Go ahead. I, 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 did, I must have missed it. Or I, maybe I just forgot about it. No, all the stuff I, I missed this entirely. The only place I've seen it listed is on the actual Stardom website. Okay, There's go ahead, Sarah. There's no build to this whatsoever. So the big show, 5th of May. International Goddess Festival in Fukuoka. We have got the Wonder of Stardom Championship match that we've already talked about, Saikamatani versus Micah, Micah's hometown. By the way, I think Micah's taken it, but that's beside the point. The SWA World Championship match. Oh, I heard about this. Go did ahead. you? Where? Yeah, you Where did you hear about this? Uh, you, 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 Ma, uh, Mayu, right? Yeah. When did this happen? Oh. After because because we recorded for six hours in the last week, I'm like I don't want to add more on. During the press co- the post press co- post press conference, he's come on talk now. Uh, that Mayu said that she wanted to go for the SWA title because they're opening up the borders to Japan at the end of April, and she wants to take the belt and she wants to travel all over the world defending it. And then and then they they mentioned it. Shuri also mentioned that she wanted to defend the title. Against Nene Takahashi because you remember Nene was the one that presented the belt, but they ne- she was she mentioned it, but Stardom never covered it, so they thought it was it might have just been a throwaway line that she just said. But yeah, Mayu did say that she wanted to win the SWA belt because it's the only belt and tournament that she because she's pretty much won everything. It's the only belt that she hasn't won, and then uh, with Japan opening the borders, she wants to like travel all over the world defending it. Okay, so this was only a surprise to me then, as it transpires. <laughs> oh, well, that's sort of anticlimactic. Never mind. Um, yeah, it is the only belt that Mayu's never won. I mean, she's never won the future one either, but they debuted it, like, 2018, so she was ineligible for it anyway. Um, Tekla versus Mayu, though, that could be a very, very good match. 
Yeah, I think that'll be a really good match, and I think it would be smart if that's what they're going to do. Is uh, obviously Mayu, she just lost the the red belt match, and then obvious uh, to Sherry, and then if she loses the uh, next round match or the match after that in the Cinderella, it might be smart to kind of just have her go all over the place defending the belt because then it's just basically getting more eyes on stardom and the belt and her as well. She'd be the perfect person because again, I mean, she's a legend. She can kind of pretty much do does what she wants. And I think with her going all over uh, different places, defending the SWA belt, uh, I think that would, I think that'd be good. It'd be something different from her. I mean, she's been in stardom literally since day one. So it would be kind of something that would, I think maybe freshen her up a little bit. She has been down since day one. Um, So anyway, let's, call it a day there we've been recording for nearly two hours um you've heard our voices for more than enough uh thank you so much for listening guys we really do appreciate it thank you to every single one of our patrons joseph usher rob jones niagara driver john owen velkage tom ed bc brandon neal steve clark emerson stone alex tremaine mike jeff ba- uh, jeff baker sorry dodon solar steve Manos. Colin Matthew, Eric Sandoval, Ben Grimshaw, Devontae Walker, Glenn Lake 8, Darren Chaton, Chris Consulo, and Plug Pedro. Thank you so much for subscribing. We thoroughly, thoroughly appreciate it. Um, don't forget that on our Patreon right now, you can go and vote for the May Patreon bonus episodes. At the moment in the lead are Stardom X Stardom 2019 show review and the Kagetsu versus Suzuki 8th anniversary match review from Osaka as well. We will be back on Wednesday for our Red Belt and White Belt patrons for our Thunder Rock versus Kyrie Hojo and Mako Satamura match review. And we'll be back on Thursday recording. So you'll hear our voices on either Friday or Sunday, depending if you're a patron or free feed, where we'll be talking all about Corican Hall, Osaka and the show in Ahimi. Um, but in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. You can find our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. If we can ask you to do one thing, could you please leave us a five-star review or a comment? Just helps us to boost up those podcast ratings and helps us to be exposed to more people. We really do appreciate it. Of course, if you don't think we're five stars, don't leave us a five-star review. But please, if you do, it would be lovely. And it takes literally 30 seconds and costs nothing. It would really help us out. Um, you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, all under the same, The Stardom Cast. You can talk to me on Twitter at, at RealRobGoodwin. Matt, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and or the Instagram. Just search Matt Turner OF. Um, and in the meantime, guys, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you guys again soon.
today I want to talk about the hellscape that is technical diagramming, right? Everybody's nodding their heads right now, uh-huh. And there is a potential solution that I want to share. There was one name that several people brought up. I did some digging, and it's kind of nuts how much this program Miro has for developers. I have to share this. It could potentially be a game changer for you. So my favorite part about Miro is that half the work is already done. Like right now, typically we spend hours starting diagrams from scratch, right? Gathering information, you get buy-in from every team. Uh, you know, following up, that's a lot of work to do. But Miro has a full set of integrations with the tools you're probably already using. And they also offer open APIs and SDKs for custom solutions for all those niche diagramming use cases we have to do, right? So the end result is the same, but it doesn't take forever. It's a massive, massive time saver. I'm transforming basic flowcharts and network architectures, and it all lives in one place. So are you using Miro? Have you used it? I want to hear. 